0: about thought-provoking topics? Read along with a stress-free book club that fits into a busy lifestyle. From out of the pages to real life, explore the fine line between fiction and nonfiction as we pull from bestsellers that will change your life. Tune in to our bi-weekly book club of
1: mind-bending and empowering stories hosted by Nova Lorraine, founder of Rain Magazine, and her two co-hosts, Toby Santagato and Barbara Donato.
0: Welcome to another episode of Tuesday's Book Club, the podcast book club with stories that will change your life. Today's book, we are taking a deep dive into the power of now by Eckhart Tolle. And just to remind you, this is an exclusive production for the Pink Kangaroo Network. I have my lovely hosts and great friends with me today. And I'm Nova for those joining us for the first time. And I have Toby. Hello, Toby. Hi. And Barbara. Hey, Barbara. Hey. And we are thrilled to explore another intriguing story with you. As you know, if you've been following us, you know that this is our last episode of the season actually we just made that decision i'm not gonna lie we just made this decision that this book was so 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 good because we originally were going to go to 10 episodes 10 books this was so good we felt that we had to end the season on the power of now so for our next three books we're going to ask you to go to pinkkangaroo.com. that's kangaroo with the u at the end and click tuesday's book club so you can get the list for season two And I'm just going to go into the summary from the publisher, which is what we usually do, just to give you guys a little insight on what the book's about for those that have not had a chance to read it yet. The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle is a word-of-mouth phenomena. It is one of those books that has the ability to change our lives for the better. Little wonder then that it's been read by millions In 33 languages, and is recognized as one of the most influential spiritual books of our time. Eckhart Tolle shows how our incessant thoughts are creating the mental and emotional pain we experience. By introducing us to living fully in the present, instead of being locked into regrets about our past, anxiety over our current situation, or worry about our future, he guides us into living in the now, where problems simply Don't exist. By awaking us to the spiritual dimensions of our lives, the power of now enables us to embrace our true self, enter into peace of mind, and find joy in our everyday living. For many of us, our relationships are our biggest obstacle to fulfilling life. Tole shows us how they can become a door to enlightenment by empowering us to be more conscious and therefore more loving. So that is the basic summary from our publisher. What do you guys think of The Power of Now?
2: This book was amazing. To be honest with you, this is the mic drop for the end of the season. This is just, this was the perfect book to end. I mean, it was enlightening. It was transformational. Mm. There was just so many different things that I got from this book that I am going to just incorporate in my life. I started already after I read the book, while I was reading the book, and I plan to do it more and more until I truly get that that enlightenment.
0: Yeah, I didn't even know where to begin to un- start unpacking this book. <laughs> it was so much and all, oh my gosh, so
1: many goodies. Um, Toby, what are, what are your thoughts? So what I was gonna say is we have to be ready for it. And it's okay what you get out of it. And that's even that's getting something out of it. And so what you get out of it today, individually, it may be different than what you get out of it tomorrow and next year and next 10 years from now. And you have to be okay with what you get out of moment by moment your life too. So all of it's just a collaboration of ideas and emotions. And it it just was mind-blowing to know that I can be peaceful by just being okay with what I got out of it even. In life and in the book. Yeah. No,
0: that was a really good point. And the book was initially published in Canada. And I thought this was really interesting that the original publisher had heard countless stories of positive change and even miracles after people read the book and how they shared their healings, their transformations, their increased joy to the point where they had to, what was I going to say? (laughs) to the point where they're just blown away by the impact that this book had had. I mean, to see miracles happen, that's a powerful word. That's a pretty big word. And I can see that. Having gone through this, I can see that. There are a couple of quotes that really jumped off the page to me beyond the parables that he did such an incredible job explaining from the Bible different messages that were were shared from a variety of philosophers throughout the millennia. He stated this in the very opening of the book. You are here to enable the divine purpose of the universe to unfold. That is how important you are, Eckhart Tolle. Before I even got into the book, I was like, whoa, whoa. I had to take a moment and just absorb that.
2: What did you guys think of that quote? It was... It made me feel like I had a responsibility, <laughs> a responsibility mm-hmm. to live in the moment, you know, and a responsibility to live in the now, to take the time to not just implement what the book wants me to do, but to share it so that other people can do the same. Uh, he was very big on the collective. When they go through something, they push others to go through the same thing or their their quest for achieving something ends up affecting other people's lives. So when from that quote that you mentioned to me, I feel like if I can do this and I can spread this same knowledge to other people, I guess our quest for being in the now, for being in the present moment, will make positive change instead of negative change.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think also it's not just about sharing, but it's about acceptance of other people's interpretations of it, and not really necessarily, it's more of like an energy that you give by acceptance. So mm. by being okay with Nova's interpretation and Barbara's, and then sharing it, not not sharing it, but understanding that it's okay if they have a different interpretation, but the energy is still there. That's what's contagious. And all the books we read, the people that had impacted other people was through the energy and through their enlightenment others just became in light. So I thought that was cool. Yeah,
0: no, those are all really really good points. And touching on the collective comment Barbara that you made where in the quote he states the divine purpose of the universe. I think we've heard everyone has a purpose, what's your purpose? Find your purpose, follow your purpose and it's your 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 your, right? The individual purpose. Right. And he's saying you are here to enable the divine purpose of the universe. That is how important you are. And so when you think like, whoa, it's not just about me. Like I am a cog in the wheel. I am part of the makings, the the being of this universe. And I think we forget how powerful we are, unique, brilliant. There's so many adjectives that we can use and we... Don't embrace that worthiness. I think a lot of the times we're walking around with the feeling of I'm not this enough, whatever that is enough. And in the future, I will be, or in the past, I was. And if we can, to your point, Toby, get to this space, this present moment, we can actually feel and understand and know how important each of us are as it relates to the universe, you know, we're not insignificant and we're all needed for this purpose, the, the bigger purpose, the divine purpose. So it was just really, even before we got into the book, I was like, whoa, okay, this is going to be a heavy book. Really short book, but it was probably one of the densest books I've read to get through. And I'm a reader, you're a reader, we're all readers here, so we can read pretty quickly. But I ended up, I did the audio and I bought the print and I was rewinding as I'm driving and listening, I'm rewinding and rewinding. I had to like underline in the book and flip back and
1: reread. Yeah. You can't multitask with this. No way. No, <laughs> no. multitasking.
2: You got to be in the moment. <laughs>
1: yeah. That was my challenge because I am guilty and I really knew, well, I knew that I wanted to get something out of it and I knew I was ready to get something out of it, but I also knew that I had to change my typical behavior and just really slow down enough to get something out of it. And it took focus.
0: Yeah. This. Definitely was not a multitasker book at all. (laughs) So be ready, but it's absolutely worth reading and taking that time to absorb every word that's being shared. What would you say, Toby or Barbara, whoever wants to go first is fine. What was a quote that really impacted you? I know there's so many throughout the book, but what sort of jumps out at you now? What comes to mind?
2: For me, when he said, pain can only feed pain it can't feed joy. Mm. It was, I'll tell you, the when he started speaking about pain body, the pain body, yeah. and how it can really drown you, like it can really encompass your entire life. He talked about uh, people who, the negative energy that surrounds you. It could be something so little as, I think he said like a child whining, and then something even bigger, which would be like a physical rage of an embodiment of pain, depression, anger, drama in your relationships. He talks about all of these things. And then he says, none of these things have to be in your life. You can remove yourself from these pain bodies. And he also, it's not going to be easy because pain feeds pain and it doesn't want to leave. But once you do start to remove yourself and you start becoming more and more in the present more and more in the now you are going to start to light will start to envelop you to the point where just like you said, pain cannot feed off joy. So you're going to attract, you attract what you put out. The more light you put out, the more light you receive.
1: I think what he was saying is it's not that the baby isn't crying. You have to compartmentalize it. So a person that's in the now, just says the baby's crying a person mm-hmm. that has a story about why is me I live in a place it's so noisy that's not in the now because all that's happening right now is the baby's crying and so to become present is to understand that there's an act that's happening and then there's your life, and not make it a story so that was really cool yeah oh yeah
0: that comment when you said that it's that's happening but it's not your life it's your life situation So that, and separating those two, I thought was powerful. And then going back to what you were saying, Barbara, with the pain body, what I loved about that discussion in the book was he described the pain body, which is, which are those negative feelings, emotions, energies, experiences, moments that we bundle up as one and we create this entity. It's almost like you're creating another person almost is what it sounded like.
1: Right. It is another person.
0: Yeah entity lives and how it survives is off of more pain. And it wants to survive. And it's connected to the ego. And the ego's whole purpose is to be alive. And so you need to continue to feed the monster, right? Feed the cookie monster more cookies. And until you separate your identity from the pain body, you will always see yourself as one. So you're the reason, or you're not enough, or it was because of this, or because of that person, or because of this situation, and you're continuing to find ways to feed this pain. And whatever that pain translates into, may it be depression, or worry, or anger, or rage, anxiety, stress, whatever that is. And so he says, you have a life, and you have a life situation, right? So the baby crying is part of the life situation. It is not you, your life, your being, your existence. And so that goal is to separate yourself, your identity, your true identity, which is just being, which he spends a good amount of time describing what that is, from your life situation and become the observer. You're not ignoring it. You're not saying it doesn't exist. You're just observing it. And it's like, oh, okay, that's interesting. <laughs> you know, but right. it's not, it doesn't define me. I thought that was- Well, And the
1: transformation is noticing that normally, if, say, for example, you would have said, oh, wow, I can't believe I can't live in the country where it's quiet and peaceful. And if I had the money, noticing that that would be the story and the woe is me or whatever it is, or maybe it's not that dramatic, but the story that you put around it, that becomes who you are and slowing down enough to notice that so that then you don't have the ego involved. And it's just like, oh, the baby's crying again. And it's just, that's all it is. And it's a noticing, it's a slowing down. Mm -hmm. It's an awareness. That's the first step.
2: Yeah. And and I like that he stated that if you ignore the baby that's crying, it's just going to grow. If you meet it head on. And like you said, Toby, and like you said, Nova, if you look at it and say, oh, the baby is crying. I see the baby is crying. Let me face this. You know, it's nothing like, let me, let me let the baby cry and feel her pain. No, no, no. It's the baby is crying. Let me face the situation. And once that happens, the point is the baby will stop crying because we faced it. We've acknowledged it. And yeah. we're going to do something in that moment. And then we're going to keep it moving. It's the consciousness of the present is what he keeps emphasizing for us to allow us to be able to eradicate that, you know, to, to acknowledge the pain body so that it can have, like remove it from our present. I think that's a great
0: transition to talking about what it even means to be present. <laughs> like, what does that even mean? I think, you know, especially as moms, when we have a child, we're looking forward to the next milestone or birthday or event or award or whatever it is. And then it becomes this very forward thinking, living in the future. Or maybe you weren't happy with how you did this or that. Then you're bouncing between the past and the future. How do we get to a place where we can be present? And he does mention a few ways. What are your thoughts on that? Like, Toby, what would you say stood out to you about that?
1: Well, he doesn't say that you don't have goals because that would be really, that's not human nature. It's that you know that there's goals and then the moment by moment you're you're handling what's going on with no judgment of the goal. So, you know, Mm. if you wanted to be in better shape, which is a goal, and that is sort of in the future, it doesn't mean that today, if you didn't work out, it's catastrophe because you're in the present and just what happens, you didn't work out. (laughs) You know, and that's all it is. It's nothing to do with anything. So I think what there's peacefulness in that, like in no judgment of yourself and or in others, you allow what is to be. and, And that's the bottom line. And so when you don't do that, there's nothing that can come out of it because you still didn't work out, right? Still didn't work out. (laughs) But now you're a bad person because you didn't work out. So being in the Mm. present is just accepting what is what is. And it's not even about another goal. It's just like, okay, well, today I didn't work out. And then in the next day, I'm going to work out. And then you let it go. And maybe your body needed the healing, or maybe your mind needed the healing, or maybe you just Mm. didn't want to. And you're present to that. And I think that's the point. And we put so much around stories. I know with my girls, I expected a lot more out of them than I've given myself into things. And I'd be like, oh, they don't want to go to gymnastics today. And they don't care. And really what it was, was they just didn't want to go to gymnastics. Maybe they were tired. (laughs) And, you know, we take this whole conversation about, or maybe I didn't motivate them or maybe. And all it meant was they didn't go. That's all right. <laughs> and when we do that, we give them the freedom to create what they want and yourself to create what you want. And um, so I think that's for myself, I have had a bad back my whole life. And I very early on, actually, I've had a couple of things with the thing that stands out in my story that I often like to share is I've noticed that the less I talk about my back, the less pain I have, because in the present moment, oh, yeah. right this moment, I'm not in pain with my back. So I'm just going to enjoy this very moment. And when I am in pain with my back, then I'm in pain with my back. But tomorrow I might not be in pain with my back. So I don't really, if someone wants to know what happened. I tell them the story, but then it's gone because it doesn't matter. It is what it is. And it's really been a revelation for me for a very long time. I've been blessed to, and that, and I've done that with all my life, like with my upbringing was not great. And I have a good relationship with my mother and father. You know why? Because I don't care. What happened was happened, and it doesn't matter. What matters is I have right now, and I may not have tomorrow. So, even before the book, where my challenges are is really with my closer relationships, like with my husband. I do not live in the present. And this book helped me to remind myself, like, it doesn't matter, right? In a catastrophe, I know that all three of us love our families a lot. And we have these, like, you know, if there's a tsunami, who would you want to be with? Your family. So, like, if we pretended that. If we knew the future in five minutes from now, we were going to have a tsunami ha- hit us. Would we be fighting with our husband who didn't wipe the counter? <laughs> you know, like mm. be present and not. It's not a judgment. What happened is he just didn't wipe the counter. Not that he didn't care about you, and he doesn't. You know what I mean? So being present is a peaceful place. It doesn't mean you don't want them to wipe the counter, but it's just about well that day you didn't wipe the counter. Yeah, you know, that's kind of how I've been able to reinvigorate what I already knew, which is there's only, the only peacefulness is in knowing that moment by moment we have the moment to live
2: in. Yeah, those are really
0: great examples. Really great examples. When you mentioned the pain in the back, I was like, oof, like every so often I'll get like upper back pain and it's like, ah, and my story, you mentioned story, my drama is, oh, I hold my stress in my back. (laughs) If I continue to identify with that, it's always going to be that and right now at this moment and most moments i don't have any pain in my back and so and i do believe he mentions that if there is an expression of physical pain there's usually an emotional pain body attached to that that we have not let go that we're still feeding it could be something from childhood it could be some worry that you're carrying but you, typically there's a an emotional pain body attached to the physical expression of that pain. And so when you were talking about that I was like, "Ooh, I need to change that story." <laughs> yeah. And not say those words anymore. So, yeah, what are your thoughts, Barbara, about what it means to be present?
2: An example that I think about is my 8-year-old. She loves to tell a story. She loves to bring the family together so that she can read us a book. She makes my daughter creates books. Mm. She makes paintings. She And then she always has a story behind everything before she tells us the story. And I find myself sometimes while she's talking, I will start to do work or I'll be on the phone or I start thinking about some of the things that I need to do. So I'll, my head, when I wander off, my head, my head starts to turn. She will physically come over to me and push, like she'll grab (laughs) me by the chin and push my head and go, Mom so that I am staring directly oh gosh, at her. That's so cute. <laughs> and I will say to her, I can hear you <laughs> while I'm doing this. You can keep going, but she will not. She will not keep going until she has my uh, 100% attention. Mm. And I'll tell you, when she's doing that and I'm all over the place, I kind of hear it and I'm not fully into the story. But when I do, when she takes the time to walk over <laughs> to me and lightly pushes my (laughs) head and I say lightly, but it's not (laughs) over to her and look at her and I'm absorbed in her story. I really appreciate it. I'm like really in the moment. I really, I love my daughter's stories, and she makes me forget what I'm supposed to, you know, I don't say what I'm supposed to be doing, but like what the stuff that I'm, I don't take the time to look at her and say, I love you. I appreciate you. I'm going to pay attention to what you're doing right now. And for mm-hmm. me, that's that's pretty much what I'm getting out of the book. I have to love me enough to pay attention to what I am doing right now. Ooh, like wow. I need to focus on my present, or else I'm lost. Like I find myself. What did he say? One of the things he said was, "Listen to your body and think about the inner workings of your body." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We don't do that. Mm-hmm. We don't sit down and think about. He feel the air in your nostril, like really. Work on you. Think about you and think about what you're doing. Your consciousness is doing right now. Mm. Your physical is doing right now. I equate that to love. Do I love myself enough to be paying attention Mm. to me and to sit right here in the present so that I can move on to, to the light? Right. Or am I too busy wanting, I want this future thing. I won't love myself until I lose the weight. Oh man, if I can just make this much money or if I can just do this and if I can just do that, I'll love myself then. Mm. Why can't I love myself the way I right now? What's wrong with the present moment as we're speaking right now that I can't love myself? Oof.
1: And I think often you do that to other people too. If you're comfortable in judging yourself, certainly then you're definitely going to be equally as judgmental. I certainly am. I Well, mm-hmm. I do things this way. Why don't you do things this way? And Mm. there's no love in that. You lose love because you justify your pressure on someone else to look the way they should look. And in the present moment, there's nothing available because if you're doing that, you're not present. You're not present in the very moment because you're thinking about what something should look like, which is generally in the future or what it looked like Mm -hmm. in the past and you project it. So I think that it's interesting to... If you're slowing down enough to notice what you're doing to yourself and to others, you invite other people to slow down because the whole, it's like the domino effect. And I think he talks about that in the book, like there's an impact and whether it works or it doesn't work, eventually it shows up. So instead of through pressure, you make a decision to be present and to be accepting of yourself and others and whether they have the transformation or not it still transforms everything i really really love the fact that you brought it back
0: to the, the example is about your daughter <laughs> you paying attention to your daughter and <laughs> hilarious then you brought it back to i need to pay attention to myself first to yeah. know what that feels like and care enough to want to pay attention to someone else and that oh my gosh that like hit the nail on the head in terms of what he's you know he's trying to drive home that our freedom, our fearlessness, our connectedness, our love, it starts from within that peace, going back to toby the the peace starts from within, and why do we feel disconnected? Why do we feel no one understands us? Why do we feel not worthy? why do we feel you know we there's a huge movement around sustainability. I believe that if you're not focused on sustaining self, why are you going to take moments to sustain the environment because you're going to be disconnected from the environment so If you are feeling more connected, then that includes the environment and you wouldn't inflict pain on yourself. Therefore, you wouldn't inflict pain on the environment. There's something that he brought up in chapter one, and he mentioned the saying of Buddha describing what enlightenment is. And he said, it's the end of all suffering. And that is what true enlightenment or true freedom is. And the Bible, it talks about there'll be a day where there's no more fear or pain and there's only joy and there's no more death and there's no more things, you know, negative things. And he even brings up the topic of death in a symbolic way. And then also in a literal way and how fear arises when we feel unconnected from ourselves in the world, which we were just discussing. And then when we do that, we're disconnected from that immeasurable inner being, you know, that, omnipotent, omniscient, like everything that's within us. And so if you feel disconnected, like, you know, let's say you're, you're holding to a rope at the top of the building and all of a sudden the rope is cut or you let go. You just feel like you're free falling in the air. <laughs> you're just, flying, right. just yeah. doing whatever. And then, so all of this fear and worry and anxiety comes into play versus you feeling strongly connected to that rope that's firmly planted where you're going to know that you're safe. So that was really interesting. And then the point of death that I wanted to share was, he said, you have to experience death. Like you have to experience the symbolic meaning of death to get to this point of enlightenment, which is letting go. He says, most people right before death, there's a moment that happens Mm -hmm. when you truly understand who you are and what you are. And you're stripped of labels And roles and expectations and material things and all these things that comes with our society and our way of living, and then you connect to the only thing that truly matters, which is, oh wow, (laughs) none of that really (laughs) matters except for my existence. And he said the key is for you to experience that while you're living, to let go of all material things, all form, not to live poor, but to know that whatever is in this form is meant to go away. Just like when we're born, we're eventually going to die. You know, we're going to return to the earth. And so he's saying, if you accept this, going back to your point, Toby, that you brought up was, this is what it is and I'm not going to judge it. And I am not going to get attached to my role or my title or my promotion or demotion or this movement I'm a part of, or this religion that I belong to. It is what it is. It's my life situation that I've chosen, but it's not my identity. It's not my existence. And so that I thought was like again something that I took away from what being present is.
1: Yeah, it's freeing. And it's hard to understand that it's freeing until you feel it. Every you can describe it till you're blue in the face. And but what you have to do is give people the space to feel it themselves. You can share, but at Mm -hmm. the end of the day and they'll come to it the way they come to it and that's okay.
0: Yeah. Well, let's touch on that. Let's let's go I want to explore what he shares about relationships cuz it was brought up in the summary that the publisher uses to describe the book. And then I also want to get your thoughts on the terminology of a compulsive thinker and how that can lead to our downfall. So, let's touch on relationships. Who wants to go first on what he shared about relationships?
2: Well, one of the biggest things that impacted me um, when he spoke about relationship was that in order for you to actually, well, one, well, first, let me just say that he, the way the book is written is kind of like a question and answer. And someone said to him, well, if along the lines of, don't quote me on this, if you've oh, reached that enlightenment, do you, what's the point? Like pretty much should you, can you be in a relationship? Do you need relationships? Do you need to be in a union? And he said, actually, yes. We are always the half of a whole in some form or fashion. And he talks about in order to achieve that, that presence in a relationship, we have to surrender to the now. We have to accept the person for who they are with no judgment, accept the moment for what it is. And honestly, I will say that like, as I read this, I had to read it a few times because I was a little confused by what he meant. What if there was somebody... That did achieve that the now the presence the enlightenment and then there was somebody that didn't and he talks about that as well he says for those who do achieve it if that person is you can actually attract that person to start achieving wanting to and and achieving that with you and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't when it works it's great when it doesn't you leave the union in a good space right and I like that he said that as well because there's so many relationships that especially in my life, where my son was talking to me when, because he's doing physics three and he was talking about energy and how all of us have some type, We're all made up of energy and we attract each other in some form of fashion. He started talking about flux and all I was thinking about was back to the future. I had no idea what he was saying. (laughs) But then as I read the book, it made me, I started to understand, you know, a little bit about what he was talking about. We do attract each other. Mm -hmm. We are attracted to each other in some form or fashion but how do we become, how does the two become the one is what Eckhart was talking about in his book and what we needed to do to achieve that. And again, it always comes back to living in the now, like being in the now. If we can achieve that, it actually uh, emboldens our relationships with each other. Even if we aren't meant for each other, it still makes our relationship, I guess, more positive. I hope I'm expressing myself correctly yeah, And I think in that.
1: what it is, is it's interesting to think that it's a typical statement is opposites attract. I certainly feel that my husband and I are opposites in many ways. We have common things that we care about, but we're opposites. And then for some reason, you're attracted to your opposite, and then you want to make them the same as you. And that's not <laughs> being present, right? I mean, yeah, I have yep. been for 30 years trying to make my husband be me because I'm so much better. <laughs> <laughs> And honestly, if I think back to those first few months, the reason why I was so obsessed was because he was so different and brought so much to the space. And I was present of that because it's the beginning. And if we moment by moment realize that who we're with and surround, choose to surround, we make good decisions. We choose to surround ourselves by certain people. And if we just stay present to why we did that and why it feels right, It's a beautiful place. And I think this book helps you get back to that. Clearly, there are, like you said, sometimes you can't, you become enlightened and it doesn't work, but then you still can stay maybe in that person's life as a friend and or accept them for their journey. But it's interesting that if we aren't present and we start feeding into what happened before, right, what's going to happen because what happened before is going to definitely happen again, Mm. we lose ourselves. We just lose ourselves and then we lose everything. And then you look back and how many people like my father's 83, you know how many times he says to me like, Oh, you don't know right now is you're young. You don't know right now you've it's everything. And the thing is, we don't know that when we're doing it. So it's a gift. And if you're lucky enough to have an 80 year old father that you FaceTime every single morning and a mom you talk to every single day. (laughs) Yeah. I love it. You get grateful. And if you get their pearls of wisdom, you know that it is what it is. And when they go, when your parents go, what he was saying is you have to accept death because in the acceptance of death, you get to enjoy the moment now. Like if every second I'm thinking about, oh my God, I get to talk to my, which is by the way I do this, I get to talk to my parents every single day and I'm not going to live without them and blah, blah, blah. But now I'm not in the present moment Uh, of enjoying them. I'm losing it. I'm losing that very gift because I'm worried about what I can't control. Right. Cannot control. Right.
0: And then in terms of the half and the whole, I think he references that often we find this blissful relationship that's so perfect. Perfect. In the beginning and sometime after becomes the enemy, the same person or relationship that you're so in love with and so happy and and now it's like all the reasons for the woes and problems in your lives, and he was suggesting that we when we're seeking individuals to be with, we're looking for salvation within them, and for a moment, they bring us to the present moment, right? They bring us that bliss, they bring us that joy, yeah, but it's not really it's not a permanent solution to the salvation we're looking for that that lies within us that ability to feel free and at peace and to love ourselves, we have to do that. We can't depend or seek that from an individual, a job, a title, an award, any of these external things that has to come from within. And then echoing what you're both sharing about the process of the journey and growth, using those moments that are low from an emotional standpoint or a life situation standpoint As a moment of transformation and being that individual that's holding that light, being that individual that's recognizing and observing the situation, not identifying with it, observing it and finding the positive and the good in that moment. And as you do that, you're creating a space or an energy of light and lightness. And darkness can't live in the light. So if it's a relationship Mm -hmm. that is clouded with darkness in whatever capacity, that can't live in that space if you are continuously holding that lighter energy, that light. And I thought that was just, it was so moving. And either you, the two of you will realize that, okay, this is not going to work and you would separate like oil and water or the other individual will start growing with you and become lighter with you. And like you're providing that space, as you said earlier, Toby, and creating that light and they become lighter with you. And so it was just a whole new perspective on looking at relationships and sort of saying, this is what it is. Don't be disillusioned. Yeah, that old love, love thing that you think (laughs) that you had in the beginning, this is what it was really about. And yeah, for some, it is true love. But true love comes without judgment and true love, or what he says, what's real can never be destroyed. And how mm-hmm. can you love someone and then 10 minutes later hate them? And was that true love? Like he put the question out there, is that true love? If it's real, it cannot be destroyed. And so think about all the things we've seen in our life come and go. Well, then what's real and what's not? And that's what he's trying to say. He's like, those things that are of form or you know material, that's not what matters. What's peace. It's It's love. It's joy. So, I thought his way of teaching us about relationships and how, again, it goes back to us. That's what we can control. We can't control the other person. It has nothing to do with them. It's all about that inner peace within us.
2: Yeah. And he talks about acceptance. He talks about surrendering to the moment, except when you acknowledge, when you're conscious of the feeling that you're having, whether it's resentment, moodiness, anger, and I'm paraphrasing, he was like, you're no longer forced to act them out. You're less likely to project those type of feelings onto other people. You have accepted the moment as it is and then once your inside starts to feel right, then everything else on the outside starts to fall into place and then you begin to attract that light as well. Right. You attract mm. the things that you put out. So whatever union that you have in place, especially if the other person is also trying to moving towards their own self-awareness in their moment and their presence, that union will be stronger. And then you start to attract the sick people in that same way. I love the way that he did that. You know, one of the things that I, I kind of struggled with was how do you live in the moment?
1: I think, and my husband and I both have, have talked about this is you have to slow down because we're machines, our personalities, if you think about it, you don't really change them. You become present to them. I mean, we talked about in the Celestine prophecy, our history and our childhood and the people we become and the, that's that machine will be who we are. It doesn't mean that you don't evolve, but when you're not present and we're you're not slowing down, it just goes right back into the machinery. And so slowing down to me, for me, myself is the key is just noticing, slowing down and noticing. And And you know, what's really kind of ironic and I'm not going to beat myself up is, even this last week, when I was being forceful and trying to make someone do something that that wasn't their wheelhouse, that wasn't comfortable, and judging them for that, it didn't change. Like the only thing that happened was I ostracized our relationship. But I mean, I want to say like fifty percent of the time, the push that I do on people, the outcome is exactly the same. And so all I did was lose that time with those people, the love, the affinity, the compassion. So being present and slowing down and understanding, like, is it worth it to lose that? No, I
0: agree. I agree. And for me, what helped me understand what being present is to stop thinking so much. (laughs) Yeah, let it go. He talks about the compulsive thinker. And if you are not able to sit still and just hear silence, for a few moments, without thinking of something for a few moments. And you're literally being held captive by your mind. Like you are the slave to your mind. And what your mind does is it attaches itself and its identity to all these external things. And until you realize that your mind is in control and it's not you that's truly in control, then you're going to continuously be in the past or in the future um, or worrying or being fearful or something. And so to stop thinking so much and be still and appreciate the beauty in the silence, appreciating the beauty in the emptiness was something that struck me. And because I know when, when a lot of people try to meditate, they're like, oh, how do I even sit still long enough and not think? Or say, like, oh, just stop thinking. And he does give some exercises that challenge you. Like, I think one of it was close your eyes and think about what the next word is that you're going to say and then all of a sudden your mind goes blank <laughs> because you're in that moment and most of the time we're on autopilot or we're creating these stories and narratives for the future or we're we'll replaying um, past events and he says kill the past continuously like it doesn't exist it's only the moment this the powers in this present moment kill the past kill the past kill the past And even for the future, you are still thinking about something that has not yet happened in the present moment. So therefore it is, that is the only thing that exists.
1: That's literally what's going to show up for you because if you live in the past and your present doesn't exist and the future becomes your past and it is predictable and it's Mm. guaranteed to happen again
2: and Mm. again and again.
1: And that's why, I mean, in 30 years of marriage, I've said like, here we go again. It's the polka dance. That's what we always say. Here we go again. And it's because we're trying to inflict, you know, and this is on myself, but I'm not going to be mad at myself. I'm going to take joy in the fact that I don't have to do that tomorrow. I don't have to do that today. But Mm -hmm. the reality is, I'm trying to recreate to be right. I want to be right and justify more than I want to be in the moment and accept. And when once we accept someone, we can really, you know, my, my my husband always says, that's phase one, because we, when we were first first dating and absolutely in love, one of his good friends said to us, we'll never forget, we were like two weeks in, oh, you're in phase one. And for many years <laughs> when we were good, we were so mad, by the way, we were fuming, he's so stupid. But the years later, we would say that in a negative way and put ourselves, I guess that was phase one. But the reality was, that was the story that he made that moment. And he actually, he didn't give us his energy by saying that. And we took the bait. And so the reality is if you let go, you can actually get back to phase one for the rest of your life because, Oh, I love that. The opposites attract the person I fell in love with is just there. And I've been trying to change him to be literally my twin, which why, Mm. why weightless? So I'm so happy for you guys in this book and everything, because it keeps me at peace in what just is with all my relationships. Cause I I truly believe that it's not just me and my husband. He's the core of my life, my husband, my kids, then my family, then my dad and my friends. But the reality is, I believe that when it's with one person, it's with all. And so while he's my focus, I do that with everything. So if I could be present with everybody, what a gift that is for myself, Mm. forget what they're getting out of it. And that's all that matters. Just pretty great. And I, I'm so grateful, grateful for you guys so
0: grateful for you and
2: that definitely you know what ladies really quickly we're all type a personalities (laughs) how about this book did you not not read some of these books and was like i feel attacked like what (laughs) like it was like speaking into your soul yeah
1: you have to forgive
2: yourself you have to almost say like it's okay
1: it's okay and own it it's okay i forgive myself Mm -hmm. And I just want to go downstairs and give my husband a hug and thank yeah. him and be like, Oh my yeah. God, he's phenomenal. He's a phenomenal great dad, great husband. And I'm a pain in the butt. <laughs> well, there goes the judgment again. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and that's true. I want to do that for my son. I, I feel like I, I'm so controlling, controlling yeah. with my son. Yeah. And I just want to, this book is telling me, accept Yeah. Him. he's a good kid. Yeah. Accept him, accept him. And, and just live in the moment with him and stop put throwing all these expectations and this is what you have to be and this is where you need to be and just be happy with this wonderful, lovely young man that you created yeah. and, and just tell him in the moment, I love you, I appreciate you and I accept you. And, and that's what I'm going to do when I'm done I with it. I think this. it's
1: scary. <laughs> you know, it's very scary yeah. for me because I think about doing that sometimes and mm-hmm. then I think, oh, if I do that, will I then be vulnerable? Will he throw it in my face? Like there's such a terrible conversation that you keep flipping back my machinery kicks in like do I want to give him the upper hand like how crazy is that
2: but see that's what Eckhart says Eckhart says surrender 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 does not make you weak it doesn't make you and forgiveness
0: is also letting go of your past right like letting go of whatever it is you're using to judge yourself like yeah let it go It it is the power is in the vulnerability I remember he and that's an issue with me like I for most of my life tried to be vulnerable because when I would be vulnerable and here's a story and the drama yeah. that I created for myself, right? Oh, if I'm vulnerable, I'm going to get hurt. Someone's just going to hurt me. Someone's going to take advantage of me, blah, blah, blah. blah. And right. when I let right. that go, that's when those circumstances went away. When I let go of that story and that narrative and embraced being vulnerable and the power that lies within being vulnerable, because it it truly allows you to connect with individuals on such a deeper level and you're letting go of the the armor and all these other things that come with that. And for me, going back to the book Speaking to Our Soul, for me not to multitask while I was <laughs> listening to oh, this book. Dude, that's
1: my life. It, like that
0: was point one. It was like, oh no, no, but you're not gonna do what you normally do. And for the it's incredible how this is one of the few books that forces you to pay attention. And it's all about paying attention. And it's all about not multitasking. And it's all about doing that one thing, right? He's like, don't focus on, oh, this is all the things that I need to do in the future to get this goal, like have the goal, but only think about what is the thing that I need to do right now? Like that's the one thing to do right now, period. And that's it. So I love you guys. And I love how these <laughs> that books that we too. read come right on time. Like I always say to my husband, like this was the perfect timing. I tell all my friends, like I can't believe. <laughs> and I feel like this journey of growth, I I'm just really humbled that I'm able to be on this journey first me too. All, and me too. to take it me with too. the two of you and our listeners. But I feel that these books literally layer on the lessons that we've learned from the last one. I mean, it talks about alchemy and and turning tragedy into miracles and things like that. It talks about um, how when us as a collective, as a human race, as we learn how to be in the now, we're going to let go of the word work. Right? We're going to let yeah. that go. Replace it with something else, and then collectively, we're going to move into a space of freedom and consciousness and no pain, no fear. And it talks about that in the Celestine Prophecy. And then all these other other books that we've read, just echoed, echoed, echoed in this book. So it's not by accident. And we know omens and synchronicities and all these other things that we've been (laughs) touching on in these other books have played out in the power of now. Any last closing words for our listeners? Points you want to drive home? Forgive yourself. Accept others. Mm -hmm. Live in the now.
2: Live in the moment. Yep.
0: Stop compulsively thinking. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Like turn the brain off.
2: Love yourself. Love yourself. Be vulnerable. Be vulnerable.
0: And whatever happens is just what happened. It is what it is. And accept it without judging. Stop judging yourself. I think if we can remember that and, and know how wonderful, beautiful, powerful you are as a being. Forget all the labels, but just as a being and just own it, feel it.
1: And this is all we have. This is precious because we right now we have this moment that you hear my voice and tomorrow's Mm. not promised. And people say that and then we then we go back to the machinery. But we have only this moment for now. So let's just enjoy it while we can.
0: And create the reality that you want. Hello.
2: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's it. Like
0: whatever it is you want make space for that. It makes space and if it fails, it doesn't fail. It means that's part of the journey. That's right. This was amazing, guys. I like I said in the beginning, I didn't know where to start unpacking this book. It was Yeah. <laughs> the title says it all. So meaningful, so impactful. Our listeners, thank you for joining us again on another episode of Tuesday's Book Club, exclusively brought to you by the Pink Kangaroo Network, a community of wild thinkers. We Conclude this season with many books from a variety of genres to help you on your journey of growth. We would love to hear from you. Reach out to us at pinkangaroo.com. Send us an email, send us comments, send us books that you you recommend to us. For the next season, we're going to bring you another slew of bestsellers, intriguing, thought provoking stories. You know us, okay? (laughs) So you don't want to miss (laughs) season two but we're going to surprise you. So you have to check out pinkhangaroo.com so you can get the list of the next books up on our reading list. Tell your friends, download and subscribe and tune in for the next episode of Tuesday's Book Club. I'm Nova and my two co-hosts, Toby and Barbara. Thank you again.
2: Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you guys. Thank you for eternally. All right. Bye. Until next time. Bye.